Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I'm your host, as always, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And what a busy 48 hours it's been for the Burgundy and Gold Free Agency, the tampering window, whatever you want to call it, legal or illegal, on Monday has started. It's now Tuesday morning. This episode, I want to dive into Washington re-upping with Deron Payne, four years, 90 mil, the signings. A busy first 24 hours for Martin Mayhew and company. Signing Cody Barton, linebacker from Seattle, claiming Cameron Dantzler, corner from Minnesota. Re-signing Danny Johnson to play the nickel. And of course, adding two big boys up front. Versatile athletes along your front five. And Nick Gates coming over from the New York Giants to play some guard and center. And Andrew Wiley coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs and his familiarity, obviously, with Eric Bieniemy, that will most likely live at tackle, but can also provide you some value at guard as well. But where I want to start today is with Deron Payne and really kind of bringing the microscope in a little bit into how Washington has conducted business the right way finally. It's been a long time since Washington had a core of athletes in the building. You look at John Allen, Terry McLaurin, and now Duran, three guys in the last three off-seasons that have been re-upped to contract extensions because of the play on the field and the men that they have been inside the locker room and within the community in Northern Virginia. They are faces of the franchise. It's been a long time, folks, since the Commanders, the Washington football team, the Redskins have had a core of athletes to build around, a foundation, if you will. And then you look beyond those guys and the talent that this roster has on either side of the ball, because that doesn't include guys like Chase Young and Montez Sweat. That doesn't include guys like Jahan Dotson and Brian Robinson Jr., or even guys that are up and coming, like a Sam Howell. We look at the tight ends room. Guys are hoping to improve with John Bates and Cole Turner. Jamin Davis at linebacker. Benjamin St. Juice at corner. Cam Curl at safety. Derek Forrest. A lot of young names that are now being led by the Allens, the Paynes, and McLaurins of the world. And it is a foundation and leadership to build upon. But with Deron Payne, every single week, we sat here. And we sit here last four or five years since Duran's been in the league and John Allen, that Washington's success stems from their ability within the interior to not just claw gaps in the run game, but to push the pocket from the interior. And it's really the modernization of the pass rusher in the NFL and really the defender along the front four or front three, whatever type of defense that you run, whether it's an odd front or an even front. It used to be you're relying on your edge rushers to get after the passer and create that sack production. Now, you have to have guys that play the zero tech, whether they're line nose to nose at the center, one tech, or three tech, to be able to push the pocket. And with Duran, 
12 sacks last year from the interior is ridiculous. Right now, he is the second highest paid defensive tackle in the league behind Aaron Donald. He deserves that. He is up towards the top of the league as far as talent and production from guys that make their money within the interior. And to have him and John Allen, guys that played obviously at Alabama together, is just fantastic. And you look at the potential that these guys have moving into years to come because they're not old by any means. They have tread on the tires because each of the guys has a handful of seasons in the NFL under their belt already. But these are two guys that feed off each other, both on running downs and when you ask them to get after the quarterback. So Deron Payne being back in town, again, Washington's success, even on the offensive side of the ball with the defense being able to create turnovers, get off the field on third down and get the ball back to the offense because we know the offense will be better this year. Washington's success stems from their ability with Deron and John along that defensive front every single week. So having those two back with 93-94 is just fantastic. I want to move to Danny Johnson, a guy that was from the prior regime, right? Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, Jack Del Rio, they didn't draft Danny Johnson. Came over from Southern University, a small HBCU kid, went undrafted, and initially cut his teeth on special teams. Now he's re-upped in Washington to most likely live at nickel. Play that nickel spot. Because last year it was Rashad Wild Goose, it was Tariq Castro-Fields, it was Christian Holmes at times. Danny Johnson is going to be that guy that's going to get a heck of an opportunity to live at nickel this year. And I thought he did a good job, especially towards the back end of last year. Now that, obviously, there's questions still in the corners room with Kendall and with Benjamin St. Juice. And I'll get to Cameron Dantzler here in a little bit. But with Danny Johnson, he's just a great story. And overall, with Washington's approach to free agency, this isn't the Vinny Serratos of years past where you're just paying Albert Hainsworth and you're paying OJ Atagwe and you're paying Adam Archuleta to come in because you got a good name, the Jason Taylors of the world. They're not doing that. They're taking a calculated approach to getting guys in the building that are cheap, guys that are young, that have shown what they can do when given the opportunity to play. And when you look at Danny in a corner's room that needs bodies, and Ron Rivera operates on a mantra that every single snap is earned, it's not given, he's earned his spot to play at nickel. And he's going to probably play on special teams again this year. But again, he could live at nickel this year. And I'm absolutely fine with that because we've seen what he's been able to do since entering the league back in 2018, and he's still just 27 years old. So another corner I want to move to is Cameron Dantzler. A guy coming over from Minnesota, and sometimes, folks, it's just about a change of scenery for a lot of guys. Day two pick out of Mississippi State. You watch him for the Bulldogs against Alabama when he was in school, against the Jerry Judys, the Devonta Smiths of the world, LSU against Justin Jefferson. He was excellent. Now, the, the minor concerns of him coming out of school is his ability to tackle. That's a minor thing. It's something that he's going to improve upon. The kid is still extremely young. He's going to be 25 at the start of the 2023 season. So he's going to be 25 throughout the entire campaign this fall. But he can be whatever he wants to be on the outside. And what I mean by that is his ceiling coming out of school was a CB1 for a roster. And Washington right now, that CB1 role, quote-unquote, 
is up in the air. Who's going to be that guy? When they took Benjamin St. Just on day two with 33-inch arms, physical at the line of scrimmage, can turn and run, is excellent in the air, physical downhill on the run, but he's got to be able to stay in the football field. Cameron Dantzler, 6'2", about 195 pounds is what he'll play at. Not crazy long by any means. He's got 31s for arms. But he's someone that can play man, that can play zone, is fluid in coverage. The ball production hasn't been there just yet. But he's someone on the outside that you can play inside if you want. You can play outside. You can cover an X, flip and run in man. He can beat the line of scrimmage, use his hands inside that five-yard contact window. And he's going to be within a defense that you look at the front four and the bodies in overall in the front seven, they're going to get after people. It makes life easier on the outside. It was really tough sledding for the Vikings last year for that secondary that was extremely young in Minnesota. And they drafted Andrew Booth. They drafted Lewis Seen, who missed a ton of time. At Caleb Evans, they drafted back in 2021 out of Missouri. They, Patrick Peterson left this year. Harrison Smith may be gone. They have a really young secondary in Minnesota, and they were torched all year long through the air. But you come now into Washington, and you got legit dudes along your front seven, and especially that front four with, we know, we're aligning in 2023 with Chase Young, Deron, John, and Montez Sweat. You don't have to cover for four seconds on the outside. Two and a half, three and a half, three seconds max, an ability to peek into the backfield a little bit, and make some plays on the football if you have to. Now, I know that by saying that, you know, you don't, as a corner, you don't want to keep your eyes in the backfield. That's when you get burnt. But he has the ball skills and the physicality, the aggressiveness, and the athleticism, all that blends together for him to be a really good corner in Washington. And again, sometimes it's just about a change of scenery. And I'm extremely excited to see what Cameron Dantzler can become because, again, You're taking a flyer on the kid. You're claiming him off of waivers. You didn't pay him a hefty amount of money. Didn't give him a three, four, five-year deal, upwards of $10 million a year or anything like that. You're bringing him in. You're seeing what you got. Super young. Again, SEC experience. Got the height, weight, length, speed. All that combination that you like on the outside. The NFL mold of a CB1 or CB2. I'm excited to see from Cam and Dantzler. So let's switch over to... The offensive side of the ball before I want to finish up with Cody Barton at linebacker. And I want to start with Nick Gates because what a story. I know you guys have probably heard a little bit about his first coming back from the nasty injury that he had against Washington in week two in 2021 where Deron Payne and John Allen fell on the guy's legs and it was nasty. It was just another nasty injury at FedEx Field, which at times you look at that grass and that turf and they're just like, what's going on with the turf at FedEx Field? But Nick Gates is going to be someone that comes in and probably fills that Wesh Schweitzer role, that swing center, swing guard. But you look at him and his ability to play all positions, but he can do it really well. And for me, with Nick Gates coming into town, this is an eye-opener for a guy like Chase Roulier. Because when he's healthy, he's a top 10 center in the league. But when is he healthy? Because he hasn't been that for two consecutive years. And you have to be on the field. And when you look at Washington's offensive structure this year, Sam Howell, young quarterback, you want your center, and like it was with Carson Wentz too, coming over from Indy and with learning a new offense. With Sam Howell, he's going to be learning a new offense with Eric Bieniemy. Now, there's a lot of RPO concepts that he did with Phil Longo at North Carolina that's going to be similar to what Eric Bieniemy did in Kansas City and what he'll do in Washington. But you want your center to be able to keep center communicate along the front five, 
what the defensive line doing, what the linebackers are doing, and allow Sam to keep his eyes up towards that second level and towards the third level, what they're doing pre-snap and what they're potentially rotating to from a coverage perspective, whether they're in man, whether they're giving zone indicators, some different things like that. So Chase Roulier is extremely important to this front five, and I, I expect Chase to start at center from week one, but if Nick Gates comes in and competes his tail off and is better than Chase... It's competition. Again, I talked about it at the top of the, of the episode, folks. Guys that compete is what Ron Rivera wants in town. Guys that not just, again, compete, but can produce and can play both guard and center. And we know that Washington's had issues at center, at guard, especially on that right side. Left side last year was average to above average at times with Norwell at left guard and Charles Leno at left tackle. But then you look at that second Giants game and Kayvon Thibodeau made Charles Leno look like he was a high school JV tackle. It was ugly, right? So there's going to be improvements made along that front five, and we're seeing it already with Nick Gates and with Andrew Wiley. So with Gates, again, going to be a swing guard, going to be a swing center, has that versatility, can play either spot. And then with Andrew Wiley, he's going to come in right now and be right tackle, which is, again, an eye-opener for guys like Sam Cosme and Cornelius Lucas, both guys that are under contract. And for Sam especially, he's entering year three. They took him on day two. You have expectations for guys, especially as athletic as Sam was playing right tackle for the Texas Longhorns. He may be kicked into right guard. Again, Nick Gates will most likely be the backup center, backup guard, playing that Wes Schweitzer role if need be. If you have to start 10 games, he can do that. If he has to start three games, he can do that too. But Andrew Wiley, two Super Bowls in Kansas City, understands what the enemy wants to do from an offensive standpoint, both in the run and the passing game. And you get a veteran on the right side to protect Sam Howell's arm side. So is that, does that mean Sam Cosby slides into right guard? Is Cornelius Lucas now that swing tackle? I, I, th- I want you guys to think back to the days of Ty Secchi where he was that swing left tackle, swing right tackle. Now it's hard bouncing from either spot. But Cornelius, I feel like with his athleticism and that athletic profile, he could play both spots. But this may be a, 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 an offensive front right now, just today, right? Tuesday, March 14th. It might be Leno, Norwell, Roulier, Cosme, Wiley from left to right. Who knows what happens along this front five because the draft is still coming up. Maybe they want to move Wiley to left tackle. Maybe they want to take a left tackle at 16. Is it a Peter Skaronsky that they want to work, even though the league values him as a guard, maybe do you want to try him out of tackle first? Is it a Paris Johnson from Ohio State? Now, Dewan Jones from Ohio State and Darnell Wright, are primarily right tackles? Or do you want to focus on maybe a left tackle at pick 48 with Anton Harrison from Oklahoma? Or a Jalen Duncan, the most athletic tackle in the class? A local kid out of College Park from the University of Maryland. But right now, this front five is not just bodies, but guys that are going to compete. And for Sam Cosme, if his future is at right guard and he needs those bumpers at the left side of center and, and, and right side of that right tackle... Obviously, we know he has the athletic ability to do so. Just the biggest thing, obviously, from going from tackle to guard is your ability to play with that consistent leverage and use your hands and sink those hips into the ground and play with leverage as a big kid. So Andrew Wiley, Nick Gates, love the additions up front, did not break the bank. So I want to wrap up here with Cody Barton at linebacker, which most likely means that Cole Holcomb is gone. I liked Cole during his time. It was a tackle machine, but tackles don't tell the story. And you look at Cody Barton, had over 100 tackles for Seattle last year. But you look at him coming out of Utah. Day two pick, right? So he obviously highly thought of from the league. 
Coming out of Utah, one of the more underrated defenses in college football of the last five to seven years. They're excellent every single fall. He played that weak side linebacker spot, and he learned under guys like K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner for his first few years in the league. Who better to learn behind than Bobby Wagner, who is going to end his career when it's all said and done in Canton, Ohio, in the Hall of Fame? Then he comes this year, again, plays that weak side spot, and he doesn't just run hash to hash. Now, again, I told you, tackles don't, don't tell a story about everything. I think about a certain stat from next-gen stats. About, it's called hustle stops. And what that, how that is categorized is stops that a guy gets running 20 or more yards on a football field and then making a tackle. Cody had 23 last year. Tied for second in the NFL behind only Foye Olakun from the Jaguars, which tells me he doesn't just run hash to hash and play within the numbers. He can run sideline to sideline and flip his hips and run in coverage over a tight end or a receiver. And you turn on that Arizona tape and you watch him cover Rondell Moore down the seam. You watch him cover Zach Ertz. You watch him buzz out on running backs. You watch him fill in the run game. You watch him blitz. He's physical and he's young, folks, and he's cheap. So you're bringing guys in the building. Again, the mantra right now for Washington free agency where guys have produced at such a young age and they're coming in with an opportunity to make more money and outplay the value of their contract early in their career. Because you look at Washington's linebacker room right now, there's a lot of names. They've already signed David Mayo, Nathan Gary, and Khalid Hudson to one-year contracts. Jamin Davis is still in the building moving into year three. Now you had a guy like Cody Barton, and I would not be surprised if your starters moving into 2023 are Jamin and Cody Barton at the middle of your defense. Because you guys know my thoughts on David Mayo, good veteran in the locker room, special teams value, can, I, but I don't want him on the field for 75% of my defensive snaps. Kalik Hudson, still don't know what he is in this defense. He played, again, that, that jack spot in that Michigan defense where he would play in some hybrid safety, he's playing linebackers, playing at the line of scrimmage. I liked what I saw from Kalik. Again, he got that start against Dallas in week 18, did a fine job. He deserves some more snaps. Nathan Gary, he may not be here come week one, but he's someone right now that you just have on the roster and have obviously was on the roster last year. But Cody Barton joining with Jamin Davis, a really cerebral kid at the second level, understands how to play the linebacker spot, both filling in the run and in coverage and finding those landmarks and what he has to do at the linebacker spot in Jack Del Rio's defense, where we understand how much he asks of the linebackers. So all in all, Excellent first day for Washington in free agency. When it's usually busy in D.C. in free agency, in the past it was, you know, spending big money on trying to get guys that are 30, 31 years old on five, six years deal, five, six year deals, excuse me, trying to have them come in just because they're a big name and expect them to produce. But now you look at the operation run by Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera, and they're doing things the right way by building a roster from the ground up with your franchise guys at the top that I mentioned at the top with John Allen, Deron Payne, Terry McLaurin, and guys under that where you have a lot of talent, young talent on either side of the ball that's going to increase the performance ceiling on either side of the football moving into 2023. So I'm very happy with what I saw from Washington in day one. But folks, we are still in the first wave of free agency. We still got wave two, wave three to come. See which guys are cut from teams. Right, There's going to be a lot more roster moves for Washington coming as we move down the line. And 
as we move closer to the NFL draft. So that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Leave a like, share, review, subscribe if you did. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. I will continue to have updates towards players with top 30 visits, pro days, free agency news. That's all on my Twitter account. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com, including more video and audio content as well. So again, always appreciate your guys' time. I will plan to have a podcast out for you next week, but with more news comes, more roster moves, I will have a podcast out for you later this week before next Monday. So again, as always, appreciate your guys' time. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll talk to you soon. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.